Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're in Mark chapter 11. And Mark chapter 11 is the account what Mark records for us, what Peter told him about the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Now, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, they're going to cry out, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest is a, an address of the Greek culture we're saying. You're saying, save now. This is save now from oppression, from evil rulers, from all that is hurting us. Liberate us from all the bad. And you would only cry out this title, or this particular way of Hosanna in the highest. It's like saying, establish your reign. And rule us because you can save us from oppression from the Roman rule. And the Romans had taken away the right of the Jews to have capital punishment. It was one of their ways of saying, our power trumps your power. We're above you. And you can't even execute your own criminals. You have to come to us. You ever wondered why they had to go before Herod and Pontius Pilate and all those guys in the Roman hierarchy? It was because the Jews had their power taken away to crucify. They couldn't actually do it themselves. They had to get the other guys to do it. And so here the the people. Now, I love this part because Jesus, he's going to fulfill a verse from Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, where he's going to come riding in on a donkey, a colt, it says, on which no one has ever sat, a baby donkey. For a grown man, a baby donkey is not that big, okay? I mean, you can some of them, like little guys, like here, we would be like up to our waist. And in fact, if you straddle them, sometimes even some of them, your feet actually touch the ground on both sides. It's not like riding a stallion or something. I mean, if I was going in for save now, save now speech, I'd be like, get me a full-size horse, would you guys? But, but Jesus isn't going to do that. And, and this is something we need to really take note of, that the Lord coming to save us, it says he came humbly. Humbly, he did it. Now, he could have come with all pomp and circumstance. He could have had a whole angelic choir announcing his coming. He could have been on the flying white horse like we see in Revelation. But that is saved for another day. That's his return. The first time the Bible tells us that Christ would come. And to a Jew, by the way, they believe that their scriptures, Isaiah 53, 54, Psalm 23, all these scriptures about the the suffering Messiah that would suffer for sin and, and be that sacrificial lamb and have his blood shed and his body rent. Just They believe that. They just believe that at that time when they were under oppression, they also believed the scriptures that said he would come in power and in glory, the Messiah, and he would establish his reign and his rule and all unrighteous reign would be put down underneath the true righteous king. And so if you were given an opportunity to choose between suffering Messiah and power Messiah delivers from all problems, which one do you want? When you're suffering, you don't really, in fact, I've spoke to Jews today. There's a veil over their eyes. They're like, yeah, well, we know there's some verses. We don't actually read those in temple. It's actually not allowed to read Isaiah 53 into 54, Psalm 23. They don't actually read that in temple today because they say, it's too difficult to understand what they're talking about there. Like a lamb before assures is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And he took upon himself by his stripes, 
we are healed and, oh, we don't know what that's talking about. But even some Jews today that I know, they'll actually admit, they'll say, yeah, Jesus is the Savior for the Gentiles, the suffering dude. But we're not looking for him. We want the guy who's coming in power to set us free from oppression. We want the, the mighty, the mighty deliverer, the Savior. That's what we want. Well, when Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, let's read this together. Mark chapter 11, we see, and as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage, it says near Bethany, uh, near the Mount of Olives, it says he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied there on which it says no one yet has ever sat. And bring it here to me. And if anyone should say to you, why are you doing this? Well, you just say to them, the Lord has need of it. And immediately they will, he will send it back here. So they went away and found the colt tied at the door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, what are you doing untying the colt? Now, in this culture, if you took someone's animal, this would be the equivalent of grand theft auto. This is, this is like stealing a mode of transportation. I mean, in fact, this is like stealing a, an all-terrain vehicle because donkeys were pretty good for any kind of terrain. You didn't, they were the off-road model. You're stealing someone's off-road four-wheeler right here. You're going to get in trouble. And this is a brand new model. No one's even took it out for a ride. You can get in big trouble for stealing someone's animal like this. Did Jesus know where the donkey was that he would need to ride in so that he could? Remember when we read this back in the book of Matthew, Matthew said, in order that it may be fulfilled what the scripture has written, that he would come on a donkey which no one had ever sat. Jesus sent two of his disciples to a village opposite. Now, it didn't say Jesus actually had gone to the village opposite there. But did Jesus know there would be a donkey tied up in the village opposite? This is something I got to point out to you. Does Jesus know where all the things, the provisions, what we need for whatever the occasion is? Does he know where the provision lies? There's a really good point we can learn from this is that he truly knows everything needed. And he even knows some of the situations and the ways what God is going to make provisions for our lives that we don't even think possible. Now, that they bring this donkey to Jesus, and you guys know the Palm Sunday story, right? He, when, they, when they bring it to him, it says they lay their garments over the donkey. Jesus sat on the donkey. They, they go along, and the people begin to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save now. They recognized him to be the king. The king that come to save. Now, there were some fellows of the religious community that were witnessing this event take place. The Pharisees and the scribes. And they actually weren't really happy about this whole Hosanna processional and the palm leaves being laid on the road and treating him like this, like this wonderful king coming to save. In fact, in Luke's gospel, he says, forbid them. The, the Pharisees came to him and said, tell your disciples to shut up, not cry out anymore. Save now, save now. This is blasphemy. And, and in Luke's gospel, this is chapter 19, if you want to know where, where it's found. Rebuke your disciples, it says in verse 39, to be silent. And, and Jesus answered them and he said to them, I tell you the truth. If these people were to be silent, 
the very rocks would cry out. And if you've been to Israel, you know they got rocks just about as much as we got on the big island. Only they're, they're gold-colored instead of kind of a goldish hue instead of black lava. But they got lots of rocks. That would be a true rock concert. He'd cry out. They'd be, they, the rocks would have cried out, save now. Jesus says this had to happen. This very approach was prophesied by the prophets beforehand that the coming Messiah, the Savior, would come humbly. Now, Jesus has to fulfill all of Scripture. In his first coming, he fulfills the humble ride in. When we read in Revelation, though, when he comes the second time, he comes in glory and power on a flying white horse. And at that time, it says his second coming won't be in reference to sin because he's already addressed sin in his first coming. The second coming will be in establishing his kingdom, his righteousness. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father which art in heaven, thy kingdom Come, and thy will be done where? On earth. As I prayed that growing up all the time, never thought about. You mean you're going to put your righteousness on earth? Your rule, your king? That would be cool. I mean, has anyone ever thought, what would it be like if we didn't have these corrupt politicians running the joint? What if we really had a righteous ruler? I mean, we're talking God-like type righteous. Would it change living in this world? Oh, man, I just think that would be the best. But see, I never knew I was praying for that, but I never really knew the word. So you know how it is that you can say something and not understand? Like the kids today when they say the Pledge of Allegiance. Sometimes we pray even the words and we don't, it doesn't sink in our being. Someday his kingdom will come and his will will be done. What did God really design this world to be like with him calling the shots how we were meant to be with felt in fellowship with him that would oh man i look forward to that can't help but get excited but jesus says to them i can't command these people to be quiet if i command them to be quiet the very rocks will cry out this has to happen i have to come the part of the story that is so amazing to me is jesus showing his mastery over all of creation. Not just as he's showing off that he knew where the donkey was, that he knew it was a donkey that no one had ever sat on, that he knew all his disciples had to do was say, the Lord has need of it, and they would let it come for this processional. I mean, that's, that's cool all in itself. That's a standalone message. God has a provision for you. He knows where it is. He knows how to direct you to it, and he can take care of you, right? There's a Palm Sunday message. But how about this one? Jesus came and showed that he was no ordinary man. Not only did he know where the donkey was and the whole provision, but he was able to take a donkey that no one ever sat on, throw his leg over it, and go for a ride. And that donkey submitted and brought him. Now, if you're not raised on a farm, you might think, oh, so what? What's the big deal? I'm here to tell you they don't cooperate on the first time or the second, or the 50th, or the 100th, to get a donkey broken to where you could actually ride with, oh, and I forgot to tell you, when you're first breaking them, you don't break them with crowds screaming and throwing branches in front of them. <laughs> Hosanna, throw a palm branch down. Hosanna in the highest, you know. Hey, hey, great to see you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm blind over here. 
And he's on the dog. What do you need? With the people chiming in and screaming, would that work real good on the farm? We would tell when we do a horse, we would, everyone around the horse corral knew. You don't make any noises. Seriously, you make no noise. If you're watching the person work with the horse when they're breaking the horse, you know your job is just to stand there and stay calm. The horse senses. It's, it's, it's like dogs. Can dogs tell our energy how we are? I, I know Cesar Milan, this little Mexican guy, he's like, the dogs feel your energy. Just stand upright. Calm dog, you know, the dog whisper. You know what's funny, though? I grew up on a farm. I know this. Animals can tell. And if there's somebody by the corral that's like, I don't know, making noise, joking, clicking something, maybe swinging their key, whatever, that gets the horse irritated. And you're trying to get it to cooperate with you, and it's, that's a bad thing. These guys not only are doing what I would say don't do, they're, they're, they're like doing it to the f extreme of the other. Uh, throw branches down in front of the thing. Hey, little donkey, whack. Step on that. Here's another branch here. You know, Hosanna, and they're throwing down branches. The donkey would be like skitched out, freaked. It'd be like, I'm out of here. And boy, can they buck and run. But you don't hear about Jesus being bucked off, do you? You don't hear nothing about the, and the donkey was all upset. Or, he said, the donkey just walks in like, I've done this a million times before, but I've never taken anyone for a ride. This is his first ride that he's supplying, and he has never taken anyone for a ride. And to me, this, this, if, for the people who listen to this later that have been raised on from, they're going to be laughing their head up. They know what I'm talking about. This shows the sheer power of God. When the disciples were with Jesus, they said, could you just show us the Father, and it will suffice. You know, <laughs> we'll be satisfied if you just show us God. What was Jesus' answer? Have I been with you so long a time? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I, I came to show you the Father. He, he probably sitting there going, oh, my gosh, they just don't get it. Don't they understand I'm riding a donkey no one's ever ridden on and branches being thrown, people yelling, Pharisees all uptight, the donkey's not jumping, not flying out, not kicking me. This just showed his mastery. When he was in the boat and there was that big storm and he was asleep, right? Remember? And they came, well, yeah, you, what, you don't care, we're perishing. And he's like, oh, ye of little faith. He speak to the storm, it says. He just said, be still, be calm, stop. And it says the storm ceased, went flat. And they went, what manner of man is this in the boat with us the even the wind and the seas obey. Now, if they knew the Psalms, the psalmist says only God can command the wind and the seas. What manner of man do you have in the boat? You got God in the flesh. What, what is it told in, in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us that we might behold him full of grace and truth. I'm jumping from... John 1, 1 to John 1, 16. But you can read that. The whole part's really good. i just kind of giving you a Reader's Digest overview. But in a nutshell, Jesus came to be God in the flesh. When he was announced by the angels, Behold, this day for you has been born a, a, a Savior. His name will be called Emmanuel. In Hebrew, Emmanuel means God with us. 
But his own disciples, okay, they got to eyewitness. How would you like to be, you, first you got to get the donkey what they actually said you can take? You're probably going, whoa, this is crazy. But then when you get it to Jesus, you're thinking, he said no one ever sat on this donkey. It's a really little donkey. This is going to be a bad idea. And I don't know who said who was going to volunteer to put their garment over his back first, but one of them says, okay, here, I'll put mine on. No, you put it. Stand back. Because if you really know donkey's temperament, this is just to putting the garment on is you can get kicked in the teeth for this. They're, they're fast little guys. They, they can spin on a dime. People don't realize this. Those little guys, they boom, turn and they'll kick you. Both feet, they can kick hard too. And okay, I'm putting the garment, I'm putting the garment. Whoa, the donkey didn't do nothing. And Jesus just gets on the donkey. And the whole time, they would know they're right there. They'd be like, wow, the donkey is just submitting to him. What kind of man is this that they're hanging out with? No ordinary man. I'm here to tell you, when he came in on that donkey humbly, there was more of a statement than, than our, our Western culture actually perceives. Hey, excuse me, that's a pretty big deal. Riding donkey no one's ever ridden while palm branches and yelling's going on. I think there's somebody on the donkeys that we should pay attention to. This Jesus, something about him. Well, we read on in Mark chapter 11. As they cried out, it says, those that followed after him were crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and came to the temple. Then looking around, he departed for Bethany with the 12, since it was already late. Jesus gets to Bethany but it's already late. I mean, I'm sorry, to Jerusalem. It's already late. So he heads back to Bethany. The, the whole donkey story hasn't sunk in yet. You know, some, by the way, suppose that Peter was one of the two sent to get the donkey. But he's not named as one of the two. We don't know. And by the way, in all of the Gospels, they talk about this triumphal entry of Jesus. It's funny, a triumphal entry. I think she just named it the humble ride. Baby donkey, not really that exciting, but but sure shows off he's God. That's the real triumph, that he w had mastery over the universe. When I read these stories, I see, Lord, you knew where the donkey was before they, e they knew. You told them what to do to get it. You even told them how to get it. You told them they were going to ask, what are you doing? And you knew all this stuff ahead of time. My question to you is, does the Lord know what we're going to face today? How about this week? Does he know what's coming up for us? Do you think if we listen to him, he would be willing to direct us like he directed them? Or, or they were just special, right? They were the special A team, the apostles. And he doesn't do that for us today, right? He just did that for them. Is that what it says in the Bible? No, Jesus says, guys, I go to my father and I send you a helper a comforter, a paraclete in the Greek, uh, one who will come alongside and help you. And what's the helper called? We do, in Catholic Church, we do Father, Son, and what's the helper, the last one? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. That helper, his spirit will lead you. He'll guide you. He can direct you into the provisions he has for you. 
And some people, they tell me, well, Pastor, yeah, I've heard some of your testimonies, how he did it for you, but you're like one of God's special people. You're like in the in club with him. I'm just an ordinary lay person. What? I'm nothing. I got a question for you. Was there ever a qualification with God? Only the ministers are going to get the Holy Ghost, right? Just the pastors. That's it. Rest of you guys, good luck. No. The Holy Spirit's for everyone. Have any of you ever been doing something and you just feel this like, and I, I don't want to say voice because some people say, do you hear an actual audible voice? No, it's like inside my spirit. I'm like, I know I need to stop and go help that person. And it's like he speaks into the part of you that is beyond. It's, it's, he doesn't even need words. You just know. Anyone experience this where you just know inside you're supposed to go do something? Or maybe you're going one direction and you just get that feeling like I'm supposed to turn here. And you don't know why. You might not even ever find out. Or you might find out later there was an accident just a couple clicks ahead that you would have been in. Except the Lord just put it in your heart to turn or to stop and help that person. Or Isn't it cool when you obey that voice? What happens? See, God has given us the greatest gift, his Holy Spirit, to lead us and to guide us, to teach us all things it says, he'll bring to your remembrance all the stuff what Jesus has spoken to. Sometimes people say, how do you remember all this stuff? I said, honestly, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God can remind our spirit of things. He can even give us the right words to say. Sometimes you're with somebody, they're mourning, they lost someone, they don't know how to handle, and, you, and God's Spirit will give you those words of comfort. And when he does that through me, I know that there is a living God because I did not grow up with a lot of comforting words. And not in a culture that was really good at delivering them. If we did it, we did it with um, an Italian little bit of slang. You came to me with a problem, I'd say, you got a problem, man. You need to knock that off. Just, I mean, don't you know? I mean, if you just stopped sinning, you wouldn't have the problem. And it seemed like a good answer. She's like, did you ever think how they felt when you said that? I'm like, huh? They came to me. I just told them what to do to straighten up. They were messed up, man. You're a little crass. You need a little polishing. If you want to know if there's a real God, I've come a long way, yes. I, I, I'm even a little bit compassionate now. But I'm a, I'm a work in progress, okay? As we all are. And it's all because of God's Holy Spirit. That sweet gift that he gave that helps me, that leads me. And if you've never experienced his Holy Spirit and you want to, because truly a spirit-led life, as a Christian, is so fulfilling. It trumps anything that the people are trying to experience in this world. We, we have his peace. You know, when the Lord is leading, even if the circumstances are rough, even if it's a really uneasy time, it's this weird thing. Inwardly, Christians have this, we have the Lord, his peace, what guards our hearts and our minds, it says, with a peace Beyond human comprehension. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
passion for glory My triumph is without a doubt My light will not go out My enemy is starting to worry We are marching on Marching on to victory We can't be burdened by trifles We'll focus on the valuable Keep good available We're guiding all who will to revival We are marching on Marching on to victory Decision. 